friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. It's really good to have you here with me today. Uh, Making Disciples is a podcast that is about trying to take the big ideas of the Christian faith and really explore them in such a way that it makes them super simple. We can overcomplicate things so much. We love overcomplicating because we think then it's something for the elite. Christianity is not for any elite. Christianity is for... Uh, every single one of us, which means we all should get it. We all should understand it. So we take big ideas, we simplify them without losing the depth, and we try to communicate them in a way that really makes sense. Uh, sometimes this podcast is me talking like this in my study, and sometimes it's an interview with somebody who really knows what they're talking about. Um, my name is Chris Rogers. Welcome here to my study. And today we're going to be exploring a theme that I'm super excited about. I've entitled it Six Reasons Why You Should Trust God. Six Reasons Why You Should Trust God. Um, But that's the overarching concept. But what I want to explain to you is uh, one of the ways that we learn more about God is by putting in framework to help us understand something. So let me explain this a little bit more. So if you go to a field... That field will have fencing around the four edges or if it's a strange shaped field, be six sides or something. And there'll be these fence posts that run around the sides. And then, you know, that is the field. And what they've done is they've, they've created a space where you can understand, well, this is the edges of the field. And what we often have to do in our faith is we look at a topic Uh, And we pick up, well, this Bible passage says this here, and this Bible passage here says this here, and this one says this over here. And therefore, we can create an area, a playing field around a topic. Now, the Jewish rabbis, they had a phrase for this. They called it stringing pearls. And what they would do is they would take uh, pearls from all over the Bible, phrases from all over the Bible. They would string them together. Imagine a pearl necklace. They would string them all together. And it was called stringing pearls. And you would create an understanding of God from a collection of different places. And they would put it together and it would make something that you then you would understand in a, either a different way or in a more enlightened way. So you look at the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus stringing pearls. He's taking passages from all over the Old Testament and he's putting them together and bringing them together to create what he calls or we call the Sermon on the Mount, stringing pearls. I like to talk about it in terms of Jesus plays jazz. Uh, Jesus uh, knows scripture so well that he knows how it works. He then can pull passages from all over the Bible and put them together in a new way. If you're a jazz pianist, you learn what works and what doesn't on the keyboard. And then once you've worked out how the keyboard works, you can riff and you can go off and do your own thing by bringing different things together from different places. That is what we're going to do today. We're going to go stringing pearls. We're going to go playing jazz. Uh, And and what we're going to do is we're going to explore this theme of six reasons why we should trust God. Uh, And we're going to look at what different places in the Bible say and then bring it all together to help us create an understanding of why God is trustworthy and why we should trust God. And I think this is really important, particularly at, at this time, because we certainly feel... Uh, during this lockdown, corona lockdown, like who is trustworthy? Can we trust the government? Uh, Can we trust what's been said on Facebook? Can we trust what's on Instagram or or Twitter or other social media sites? What is trustworthy? And we want to get to this place where we say, well, actually, 
we can probably trust a lot of stuff that's out there. Some stuff is questionable, but ultimately the foundation that we can trust is Jesus himself. The only one, the, the firm foundation that we can place our trust in is God himself. So that's what we're going to explore today in this episode, is why is God the foundation that we can truly trust. So friends, my name is Chris Rogers. I'm your host today for Making Disciples, and I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. So let's look at this then. Six reasons why you can trust God. Why six, Chris? Well, it feels like a good number, doesn't it? You can look at seven, eight, nine. Ten. There's many, many reasons why you can trust God. But in this idea of stringing pearls, I want to pull together six different ideas that we find around the Bible that will help us think about how we trust God. So at number one, he is always with you. God makes a promise to you and I that he is always with you. Just remember this, Matthew 28, verse 20. It says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is always with us from now through to the end of the age. What is the end of the age? Well, the end of the age is when all things are completed and come into full fruition end of the age is one of those literary devices that says right until the very end and very conclusion i am going to be with you and i'm i'm here uh, god is with us and i think it's really important to note for us wherever you are god is with you and and sometimes we get these ideas of well this is a sacred space and this is an unsacred space so you go here god will be with you and if you go here god won't be with you. What we know from scripture is that God is always with us no matter what where we are. So let's just explore that for a second then. Psalm 139, really famous little passage, 139 uh, verses 7 to 12 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me. The right hand of God is the presence of God, it's the glory of God. Uh, it's this idea of God's right hand is where his power is. So even where your, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you there is no way you can go from God you can trust God because there is no way you can get from him you know as far as you go up to the heavens as far as you go down into the depths the depths is hell itself is, is that right like down into the very depths is God's presence even there in a, in a strange, a mystical, unknown way? Is God very much up and very much down? Is he very much as far as the ocean? Like you cannot go anywhere. Surely the darkness can't even hide this God. Like This God is so bright and so powerful and so majestic. Even the darkness can't hide him. Darkness becomes light in his presence. There is nowhere that this 
God can go without bringing about transformation and bringing about change. Isn't this incredible? Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? There is nowhere you can go. There's nowhere too far gone that you cannot meet the presence of God. Why can you trust this God? Because there is nowhere you can go where you cannot find him. I have a great mobile service, but there are times when there are places I can go to and there is no connection at all. Which leaves me with this sense of, I can kind of trust my mobile, but there are some places where I just cannot trust my mobile. Will my mobile work when I'm in these kind of places? God is not like your mobile signal. God is always with you. He is trustworthy wherever you are and wherever you go, which means that leads on to my second point, really. Now I want to take another pearl. This pearl is going to come from Psalm 62. It's the pearl that he is our refuge. What is a refuge? When we hear the word refuge, very often we think of a refuge site, a recycling or a dump site. No, that's not what it means here. It means a safe place. He is our safe place. Psalm 1, uh, Psalm 62. Truly, he is the rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depends on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. He's writing this. This is from King David and he's out on the run. He's running for his life and he ends up in a place called the Engedi. If you want to just Google Engedi, then, then do that right now. The Engedi is this beautiful oasis in the middle of the, the desert. And David ends up in the Engedi, and in the Engedi, you've got these incredible rock faces either side of you as you walk down this little narrow valley to this beautiful waterfall. And in the Engedi, you've got these rock faces, and in those rock faces, you have these little caves. And we're told that that's where David hides from the king. When the king comes to kill him at the Engedi, David hides up in the rock face. So he says, "Truly, God is my rock." He is one of those little cliff edges that I can hide in, that when the storms come, I can hide myself in one of these safe places. He is my salvation, he is my mighty rock, and he is my refuge. He is my safe place. Then he says, trust in him at all times. Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is your safe place. Trust God because he is your safe place. In other words, you may try to create safe spaces for yourself and ultimately they're not going to work out for you. For whatever reason, the storms will come, the foundations will go and that safe place will have been lost. But if God is your safe place, your refuge, then he is trustworthy because whatever comes, you are hidden in something that is naturally built, that is strong and that is secure. You can hide away in him for pure safety. So God is our refuge. He is our safe place. He is the trustworthy one that we can hide within and that no matter what, we are safe. About, uh, this now leads me to uh, my, my third point, 
uh, is that God has plans for you. God is trustworthy because he has plans for you and I. So Jeremiah 29 verse 11, if you have not got this written down in your Bible, if you've not got this noted somewhere, friends, it's really like, do it, Instagram it, save it, put it on the wall, write it on something. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Ah, the plans I have for you, he knows them. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is the God that that knows the trajectory of your life. And if you and I are willing to stick within those plans, that sweet spot with God, then the plans that he has will be to prosper us and lead us into a future that is with him. Now, God never makes a promise to us that life will be easy. Like we need to delete, like hit delete that theology in you that says, if I have God in my life, all will be well. Um, All will be well because you've got God, but not life will be well. Like I love the Beatitudes. So when Jesus says, blessed are the... We translate it as blessed, as in, uh, if you have God, then you will have abundance of something. Uh, Some translations, that whole passage says, happy are those who. And I think the original language that that was written in uh, has a much more interesting image within it. So blessed are those. The picture of the original Greek word that we have there, the picture is not of happiness or blessing, but it's this idea of the two hands of God and that, When you're with God, you're in the hands of God. And the blessing is the fact that you're in a safe place. And in this safe place, that's where you can trust and, and receive the blessing. Because you are safe. You are blessed because of where you've located yourself. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You're in the hands of God when? You'll be blessed when you're in the hands of God. Oh, it's a lovely image. So God has plans for you. And these plans are not absent from God. These plans are when we are in the hands of God. We're in, we're in the sweet spot with God. God gives us uh, this sense of peace as we're able to uh, walk through and with all the plans that he has for us. So for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has schemes for your life. He's been plotting and scheming for your life. He, and he knows what these schemes are. And he's got some incredible schemes, incredible plots that he has for you. And these plots and schemes are there for you to thrive. When we see the word prosper, we think in terms of monetary terms or health terms. But these schemes are there for us to thrive and be healthy, not to harm you, uh, but something that will give you hope and a, a future. That's what God has for you. That is the promise of God. And it's when life is in chaos that his promise really comes into fruition. That when it's a mess, if we locate ourselves in the blessed place of his hands, then we will prosper. He has plans for you, declares the Lord. Step four. So what we're doing, we're starting to put some frameworking, we're stringing pearls, we're putting together different ideas to understand the nature and the character of God. So pearl number four, God thinks of you. I guess you'll have no uh, problem with this idea that you think of God. 
But do you have an idea that God is thinking of you? Can you imagine that God is in the heavenly realms? He's sat there in his glory and his splendor and his majesty is surrounded by the heavenly hosts. And he's sat there and he's not thinking about Netflix. God is not thinking about the new season of uh, Stranger Things or the new episode of EastEnders or Coronation Street or Britain's Got Talent. He is contemplating and thinking about his people. And he's contemplating and he's thinking about you. Let me read this to you. This is Psalm 139 from verses 16 through to 18. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained or set apart for me were written in your book. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast are the sum of them. In other words, God is constantly thinking and they're so vast. It's almost, you cannot imagine the, the thoughts and the number of thoughts that God is having. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Your eyes saw me even when I, I was in my mother's womb and you've written about me in your book. God writes about you. God thinks about you and God imagines for you. Let's just back up a second. He's got plans for you and he's declaring them and they're plans that he knows for you. Why can you trust God? Because he is the one that is thinking about you. You are in the thoughts of God. Boom! Like, can you grasp this? The majesty and the glory of God, the splendor of God. He's got so much you can think about. He could be playing chess right now. And he's thinking about you and I. The majesty, the glory of God, the person of God, the character of God. He's sitting and he's thinking and he's imagining and he's plotting and scheming and dreaming for your life. Like, can you trust this God? Well, he's thinking about you. He's dreaming for you. He's got thoughts for you. I think this God can be trusted. I think this God can be trusted because he's got plans that will prosper you. And he's thinking about you. He's thinking about you before you were born. He's thinking about you during your life. And he's thinking about you right until the very end of your life before you transition into the new glory. Before you get into that super highway that brings you into God's heavenly presence completely. God is thinking about you and he's imagining dreaming for you which leads me on to the next pearl and this next pearl is my favorite pearls uh from scripture you will find this in exodus 14 14 and i've simply called pearl five he will fight for you why can you trust god because he has your back he fights for you it says this the lord will fight for you you need only to be still Okay, you've just found out that the woman down the road has been speaking ill about you. What do you do about it? Do you take to Twitter? Do you try, are you on Facebook and you're having a rant on Facebook? You're having a rant online, you send some text messages or some WhatsApps. You're sat in work 
And there's a work colleague that is an absolute nightmare and you just think they're trying to get under your skin. What do you do? Send your boss an email. Start tweeting about it. Oh, Facebook, complain about that person. You can do all of those things. And do you know what? You'll just look bad. Uh, whenever we try to fight for ourselves, a lot of the time our ego takes over. And what we end up doing, we fight out of a defensive position of wanting to defend ourselves, not for justice, just because I want to I get them back. I let God fight for you. Uh, the God who is the God of justice, the mercy of God, the compassion of God. The Lord will fight for you. All you need to do, Exodus 14, 14 says, is stop it. Don't try to do anything. Don't try to fight your corner. Don't try to defend yourself any longer. Stop it. All you need be is still. Be still and know that I am God. You know, that's what we're told in the Psalms, aren't we? Be still and know that I am God. And in that place of being still, the prize fighter will fight for you. Remember the story of David and Goliath, so often we got we get told in Sunday school that we're David, and there's the Goliaths. Watch your Goliaths, and you're David, and you just need to have confidence to fight the fight the bullies. Rubbish. We're not David. Jesus is David. We're the scared ones hiding behind going, what are we gonna do? God says, do nothing. Stay back and let me be the prize fighter for you um i was watching some youtube the other day and i came across um some incredible 1980s wrestling tag team wrestling i got hooked i don't know why i'm not really into wrestling at all but hulk hogan uh was was uh in the ring and he was fighting with this guy i don't know who this other wrestler was i have no idea judge dread or something and this guy's in the ring and the fight is going wrong it is seriously going wrong he's been pinned down and Hulk Hogan gets in the ring, tag team wrestling, tags him out. The other guy, Judge Dredd or whatever his name was, Dr. Death, gets out the ring. And Hulk Hogan gets in as the prize fighter. And he fights. And, and the, the match is over the moment that uh, he's in the ring. God gets in the ring for you, friends. If you are willing to do nothing but stay still. You're, you're willing to just stay still. What do you mean to stay still? It means to move to a time of prayer and intercession. Staying still means becoming aware of God and praying to God and talking to God about what the issues are. And then you sit back and say, God, but I believe you're going to fight for me. What an incredible pearl to remember. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Exodus 14, 14. And which leads me on to my final pearl. Pearl number six. He knows you by name. He knows you by name. God knows you so intimately. And I'm going to come to this in a minute about naming names, the importance of, of names. So Isaiah 43, 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel. So in other words, remove Jacob and Israel for a second. He's just naming uh, people. Okay. So he who created you, he who formed you. Do not fear, for I am with you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. If you see somebody in the street, and you, you know their name, and you call them, and you say, Steve, hey, how are you? 
what you are revealing in that moment is a intimacy that you and this other individual have a connection. Like you're walking down the street, you spot somebody that you kind of know, but you have no idea what their name is. You, you kind of give a nod, hey, you're right. Uh, but if you know their name, you go, hey, Steve, you're right. It shows and reveals an intimacy. Just back up a second. Do you remember the story of the, the burning bush and, and Moses? How are they going to know, God, that I know you? How are they going to know that you've sent me? What does God say? Here's a letter or here's an email or here's an edict. I'm just going to give you a scroll to read out. No, he says, tell them this. I am the great I am. Yahweh, your head, Vahey. God gives Moses his name. The name of God is an intimate moment. Moses, I'm giving you my name. Yahweh, Vahey. Sometimes we say it as, as Yahweh. God gives us his name. God knows Moses' name. God knows Moses so intimately. He knows his name. God knows your name. This is the intimacy of God. And to understand if God is trustworthy, then we have to understand uh, that God knows you and I uh, officially by name. This is the intimacy of God. He knows you. He knows your first name. He knows your middle name. He knows your secret name that only a few people know. And he knows your last name. He knows everything about you. Do not fear, for I will redeem you. I have summoned you by name. So, how can we trust God? Can we trust God? Is he trustworthy? Yes, he is. Let's put these piles together uh, for a moment. Let's take all these fence posts and put them together and create a playing field of which we know uh, this is this is how God thinks. This is how God works. This is how I can understand him. What we're doing here, friends, is we're doing something called we're creating doctrines of understanding of how God works. This is what we're doing. Like The, the big word is doctrine, but we're creating these fence posts by stringing pearls together so we can imagine and understand the nature and character of God and is he trustworthy. So what do we learn? We learn that he is always with you, that he is your safe place, that he has plans for you, that he is thinking of you, that he is your prize fighter, he will fight for you and that he knows you intimately by name. Is God trustworthy? Yes, because he intimately knows us. He is our prize fighter, is our security blanket, is the one we can be wrapped up in. Is he trustworthy? Yes, because he's got schemes and he's got plans for your life to prosper you, to bless you, to, to hold you. God is the trustworthy one and you add this into Jesus Jesus's pronouncement in Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am the whole thing. I'm the whole shebang of which your life rests on. Is God trustworthy? Yes. Let's string these pearls together. Let's see the nature and the character of God. Is he trustworthy? Totally trustworthy. Which means whatever you are going through, whatever you are struggling with, Whatever you are struggling to understand and get your head around, wrap your head around, God is trustworthy. Stop fighting for yourself. Stop trying to make your life yourself and create your trajectory. God has it all sorted for you. If you would only stop fighting for yourself, he will fight for you. This is why God is, this is, why God is trustworthy. This is who he is. This is his character and his nature. You see, what we've done here is we've, we've created a playing field of understanding of the character and nature of God. And we, from this, we know, yeah, he is trustworthy. 
He is the one we can put our full trust in. Friends, whatever you are going through, know that he is with you. No matter wherever you go, know that he goes with you. No matter what you are approaching, know that he's approaching it with you. There is nowhere you can go without his his presence. So friends, I, I hope you find that really helpful, this idea of stringing pearls, creating a, an understanding from different Bible passages, pulling different ideas and things together. This is what the rabbis did 2,000 years ago. It's exactly what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount. He pulled together multiple ideas from different places. He strings them together and creates a, a new idea of who God is or a fresh idea of who God is. And you and I can do this. If you come across a topic that you want to explore and string pearls together, you've just gotta start either googling or finding different passages that speak into that uh get yourself uh, a good bible study bible that might help you kind of put some of these things together but it's this idea of stringing pearls together friends i hope you find that really helpful my name is chris rogers i've been your host today on making disciples if you found this helpful i'd love you to share it uh, I'd love you to retweet about it, uh, like it, leave a comment. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. What would you add in? What would you say I've missed? Uh, all of that stuff. We'd love to hear from you. If there's topics that you want us to explore, leave it in the comments. Let us know. And we'd love to explore all the topics uh, that you are interested in. So friends, until next time, this has been Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers. Grace and peace. Peace.